Welcome to the Short Zone Podcast, where two short guys just talk. I'm your host, Caden Tonight, And I'm your host, Jim Tonight. So sit back, relax, grab a snack, and get in the zone. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Short Zone Podcast, episode six. Today, we're with my mom. A different look today. <laughs> the COVID-style bun. Yeah. That's right. It's, uh, we've talked about doing a family podcast for, I bet you, more than 10 years. So. We originally talked about doing one way back when it was the Meet the Tonight's. Right. And I think originally we bought this mic. One of these snowballs. Yeah, like 10 years ago, we ran into London Drugs and... I remember, I think I even waited in the parking lot. You ran in and grabbed it. We're going to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. That was like 10 years ago. Absolutely. 10 years later, still no podcast. <laughs> Just now. Well, that's what this is supposed to well, be. Well, this right? is episode, what, six? Yeah, episode six. Of the Short Zone Podcast. Yeah, there you go. Finally, 10 years later, we've got one Well, we had to wait going. for you. Yeah. That's right. We had to wait for you to uh, lead the way and form a personality and grow up and form opinions and... Mm-hmm. Get your YouTube expertise underway. Yeah, now you're copying my style. Hey, this is hilarious. I got up before you. I showered before you. Like, yeah. really? You copied me. I, you guys do this all the time. I don't know what's so different about today. Because, like, a long sleeve gray shirt with khakis. So this is the disadvantage of having to shop in the same section as your dad? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, now at least you're out of the toddler section and you're into the big boy section like me. <laughs> the big boy section. The big boy section. Yeah. Kids extra small. Okay. <laughs> Men's extra small or kids extra large. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, we thought the topic of this show, we wanted to get mom on mic and get her on camera because hopefully she makes many, many more appearances if we keep doing this down the road. So do I have permission to tell all your dark secrets? Is that what this is all about? <laughs> that's for a different episode the reveal the reveal podcast yeah mom tells all that'll be for your wedding day mm-hmm. yep and this was one of the harder setups because we had to move the cameras and and hank who maybe will be out on, on a podcast down the road is feeling totally left out so usually he'll go with mom when we're recording or but he's like totally, uh, he just settled down in the chair. He was pacing around because he knew we were up to something. Although ideally, this is what he likes. All of us in one room where he can keep an eye on all of us at once. So, right. Because if we're both in separate rooms, he likes to kind of be in the medium between both. So he can keep an eye on everybody. So so when we're all in separate rooms, that's when he starts to pace. We'll have to get a Hank cam. Yeah. <laughs> right now he's curled up on the chair. Hopefully it lasts for a little while. Yeah. Season two will feature a Hank cam. A Hank cam. Yeah. <laughs> But this is really a family project. I mean, even though we've, uh, me and you are, you know, the short zone we started, um, this is really a family project we've talked about for years. Um, to talk, you know, everything from lifestyle, tech, travel, um, just a, a general open conversation. Um, we're really big on awareness and education for disability and inclusion. That would, of course, be the main theme of what we're here talking about. And I would say Ladysmith, the community we live in, is probably the most educated community <laughs> that I can think of for little people. Um, yeah. I, I grew up here. Yeah, having two uh, 
two little people in Ladysmith and a teacher that talks about us all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I am guilty of that. I actually do, and I know that's a complaint you've had about it all along, but I do use our personal experience in my teaching all the time, and I use our personal um, experiences and lifestyle and um, especially the teaching empathy and teaching about accessibility and universal design. I think that's always been a bit of my passion area, so... I do tend to uh, probably get a little too personal for your guys' liking with my classes, but I think there's a lot of value in that. So, so, so I don't make any apologies. <laughs> so if anything really embarrassing happens, we always say, don't bring it to your classroom. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty good at keeping out the personal, personal stuff, but more about our experiences with, um, more about the public and what it's like having to deal with the responses and stuff that we're always coming across or having to deal with so using that as as a teaching moment because I mean we're on we're uh, the spotlight and center of attention and I mean that sounds you know some people may think that sounds arrogant or conceited or something strange like that but you just have to be with us for an afternoon to figure out how much attention we attract well and I, I can talk about how what I find is interesting is how our kind of roles in the relationship have changed over the years and I think back to when we were first dating and how you were kind of, I mean, let's face it, you're pretty identifiable. Most people meet you once and they'll remember you. So when we were dating, I remember everybody used to say, oh, you're Jim's girlfriend. Yeah, thanks, you know. I don't have a name anymore, but I'm just Jim's girlfriend. So everybody identified me as Jim's girlfriend. And then as I became, after we got married, I went back to school, got my teaching degree, and I, I became more, I guess, relevant in the community. You were as in the a community teacher. daily. Yeah, and with I kids. became more known in the community. It then became kind of you transitioned from being the kind of more identifiable one that I did. So it became, We'd, oh, you're Mrs. Tonight's husband. I'd go down the street and I'd get the odd kid that would stop me and say, hey, you're Mrs. Tonight's husband, aren't you? Yeah, and that comes from me sharing our experiences and whatnot and teaching. And I was a big advocate for, because a lot, when we first kind of started having our family and when I started kind of getting out there teaching and whatnot that was kind of pre little people big world really yeah before we and the, so uh... it wasn't really out there as much as it is now what it's like to be a little person in that perspective so I was already trying to educate um on dwarfism and what it's like to you know the m-word and not using it and and so all of my attempts to teach that um I guess that's kind of where I became a little bit more known in the community. Yeah, and advocacy was a big thing. And when we saw that show, like when the little people started hitting TVs, like the TLC network, there was the good and bad, more good than bad, but it was, um, I think it opened up people's awareness. But there was still a lot of unknowns and, and stereotypes that were being portrayed. And so that's even when we thought of doing a podcast back then to say, hey, there's other parts to the equation. You know, we don't, all little people don't marry little people and we don't all have little people kids. It's, there's, you know, misconceptions out there that we thought we would like to participate and aware and educate. Well, I think it's easy to think that you don't really have anything important to say. But then I think when you realize how unique of a situation that we actually live in in daily lives, 
I think there is some value in what we have to say or what we have to offer as far as, you know, whether it's advice or whether it's kind of just even talking about our experience to share it to educate others. I think there's a lot of value in what we have to say because we are such a unique family. And I don't think I even understood that until we started going to LPA and I started kind of understanding how rare it is to have an average height wife with an or like a LP or vice versa right I think there's a, a thought out there that oh all LPs have to marry LP but what we've discovered and like you've always known is that's not really the reality because not many LPs live in the same community so it's not like a husband and wife are just going to magically meet in their own community and they're both be LPs and happily ever after so the reality of having a lot of little people couples is more prominent now because I think of LPA and the meetups that happen there and occur there and the opportunity to do that. But I think a bit of a reality... cheat sheet though. LPA is Little People of America. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I just assume everybody knows that. But... It's the probably the big organization um, for little people that they get together at a big convention once a year and they have multiple chapters throughout the states. And so we started going to that after Caden was born we started kind of going and participating more I think it was two the first time we went down to yeah. an LPA event and that was in Seattle Seattle, yeah. yeah yeah and for a variety of reasons I um, I went to a few events when I was a kid and as a teenager but I outgrew it I mean you don't need those uh, organizations often throughout life maybe you do maybe you don't but you can I outgrew them and then when we had Caden I felt an overwhelming kind of urge to um, connect back and connect back and show utilize him. the yeah. opportunity too to kind of I think for me it was a real eye-opener and it gave me an opportunity to network with other moms and and other moms of SED because there's some uniqueness in that as well being that there's so many different types of um, different types of little people and and uh, a variance in symptoms and whatnot. So I think for me, it was a good way of networking and, and finding out the medical stuff because that's initially what we went down for when Caden was two, was for medical advice because we had just discovered the instability in a C1, C2 and the odontoid. So that was kind of the preliminary um, before obviously your surgery and uh, neck fusion at age four, but that was kind of the initial opportunity for me to meet the doctors like you always uh, referred to Dr. McKenzie growing up doing surgeries and whatnot. So. Yeah, Dr. McKenzie is a well-known um, doctor in the LP community. He's probably one of the biggest special, the and he's special the world P. renowned kind of specialist in LP. He is and he's Canadian and he um, I think got most of his education up here in, in Canada and operated on me when I was uh, in my late teens. He did many operations on me before he went to the States. So I knew he was highly regarded. So when Caden had problems, we wanted to talk to him. But um, since then, we've um, really fallen for our current specialists. They're outstanding. The team, the orthopedic team at BC Children's Hospital. Yeah, it's a different world over there for sure. And I just value that uh, we have such an, a, an amazing facility right in our own backyard. So yeah, yeah they're, they're uh, fantastic that team at bc children's hospital your orthopedic doctors at bc yeah. children's are the best of the best they are and you know they value my opinions they treat me like every uh everyone else they tell me what's going on and they're just they're great at like it's you feel at home there and even when we went and saw dr uh, mckenzie in the states he even said he said you know you've got a really great team and at that time i wasn't connected with the team here so i didn't know how good they were and we've since come to realize how great they really are 
Yeah, I guess initially that was before Caden even had his major surgery. Yeah. That was just all in the bracing, kind of when we were wearing the Minerva neck brace the and stuff. And, and... and more kind of monitoring the ossification of his vertebrae and whatnot. Waiting for it to ossify and turn bone enough that we could actually intervene with surgery, right? Yeah. So there was a lot of kind of waiting going on. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's so LPA with their conventions and stuff obviously got canceled this year with COVID everything has been canceled mm-hmm. um we hadn't really decided and often we're not that organized it was in Austin wasn't it Texas this year and um, yeah Austin so Texas we hadn't decided if we were going to go or not but probably we were going to skip this year because you had we were scheduled for surgery supposedly in April yeah so... Caden's got a huge surgery coming up so we next week Next week, so we thought we would probably not go anyway, and as it turned out, it was canceled, along with everything else. When I think even if he did have his surgery in April, he wouldn't have been in shape as of yet to no. fly or to travel, so I think we would have forewent. I just wouldn't have been able to enjoy it as much. No. Exactly. Your mobility would have been really affected, so I don't yeah. think it would have been worthwhile going, to be honest. And it's no fun yeah. going when you're stuck in bed the whole time. Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah, for sure. But... So, Mom, what's it? What's it like? What are your experiences? You know, you have two little people in the family. We attract a lot of attention wherever we go. So what's it like? You know, we're not a typical family. We we can't just put our hoods up and go grab something out of the grocery store and run out real quick. So what's it like having the center of attention when we go places? It's interesting because I specifically remember one experience that I always kind of think back to when I'm asked that kind of a question. Because I guess it's it's always like we've joked about, I guess I'm an honorary member of the LPA. And like your dad's always said, like if anybody understands what it's like to be an LP, um, who's an average height, it would be your family, obviously, and, and me. Because, yeah, I think when you're immersed in it, you kind of... When you're married to one for 20 years, it gets you a... <laughs> 22 next 22, year, or my yeah. next month, sorry. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I think it's um, it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. And, and what I always think back to is, you know, you just become accustomed to it. I don't think you really think about it too much. When I'm out and about, I don't really think about it as if it's something new or different. Obviously, it's just my life, right? So... But when I did notice it is one time when I went Christmas shopping at Costco by myself, and it was probably the first time I'd gone anywhere by myself after you were born, I think it was, for quite some time. And uh, I think I went with Kathy or, or one of my girlfriends anyway, and there was something off the whole time. I'm walking through Costco and and... I just, there was something that felt different and it took me a while to kind of figure it out. But what it was, was that I felt anonymous for the first time in a long time. And it's not that everybody knows us or everybody, you know, it's not like that. I don't mean it like that, but it's, it's just that I wasn't feeling this constant attention and watched. Yeah. Like nobody cared. I was there (laughs) and it was kind of, you know, wow, right. I forgot what that felt like. And so you know, it wasn't until I kind of felt that oddness. It was odd not to have the attention. And yeah, that's was, where I think it was It was the odd to not have the people turning their heads as you walk by. And right. Coming out of aisles and taking pictures. And... Right, exactly. Or, or, you know, staring as you walk by or, 
you know, wanting to ask questions or kids, you know, especially kids. And, and I give kids all the kind of um, leeway in the world because I think kids are just naturally curious. And I think that that's a, a natural, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I would much rather a little kid run a, you know, what's wrong with you? Or what happened to you? Or, you know, I think that's a natural process. But I didn't eat my vegetables, kid. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? And uh, I drank coffee too early or, you know, something <laughs> too early in life. No, but... I think that's that was the first time that I can honestly say that I really kind of noticed it. And then from then on, it's just, you know, I think it's one of those things that you, you don't think about. You just kind of go through your day and get through it. And, I mean, obviously, as you've probably talked about before, I don't know, sure, but um, there's good days and bad days. And it also depends on the mood you're in, right? Whether you have the patience to deal with it constantly. Because I would say, and I don't know if you guys could... Um, attest to this and and either agree or disagree but I would say that the amount of times that we're stopped to talk would probably add anywhere from a half an hour to an hour on our day anytime we go anywhere if we're out and about yeah Yeah, definitely you know by the time and I mean I am probably a little more patient than some of times you guys are. Well, it, it depends what yeah. side of the bed we woke up yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. But I think that natural educator in me um, wants to take the opportunity to, to answer the questions. And, and I think I spend probably a little more time being willing to do that than you guys do sometimes. And I, I think, again, I'm not trying to say all the time, but sometimes I think it's... Yeah, it's, it's not that we're not. It's just sometimes it's like... You get tired of it. Oh, like, I've had my moments. Don't worry. Yeah, when you, <laughs> you don't want a kid going, Mom, what's wrong with him? I'm like, sometimes, sometimes we just want to go in and yeah. get what we need and get back out. And yeah. So one of the events that I actually can speak about that I really um, remember well is when you were really young, you didn't ask to walk very often because it was hard for you. And so I always tried to make the time to allow you to walk when you asked to or when you showed an interest in trying to. And so we were in Superstore one day and you were walking and, and you got fatigued pretty easily. So you were sitting kind of on the bottom shelf of the aisle and, and uh, one of the people that worked there, one of the women that worked there, she came over to me and, and not just subtly, but she just went, oh my God, is he a dwarf? And I just kind of looked like, it kind of took me by surprise. And that's the key. It always takes you by surprise. You're not really expecting that outburst, right? So when it happens... Usually it's when you're not expecting it. And it is. And I think it's the way it's presented as well, right? So, and I was just kind of like a little person, yes. And then she just was, and you know, you kind of stop and you think, did she really just say that? And she just kind of said, oh my God, I've never seen one in real life. Like seen one. Like (laughs) what? And then the reason that sticks out to my mind the most is because it was the look on your face that really got me because you looked at me like, what? What does that mean? Or like you didn't know or you hadn't figured that out for yourself yet. You were too young to kind of know you were different. And so when she pointed that out in such a boisterous way and, and kind of loud way, it really took you by surprise. And then that's when Mama Bear came out. It was just kind of like, are you kidding me, lady? Um, so, you know, that's one of the events that really sticks out in my mind. Yeah, and I think, um, it's funny because, you know, I think out someone that isn't, doesn't have a little person as a kid, like, I didn't realize I was little right away. Like, I, sure. I noticed it in kindergarten 
Well, I had one conversation with Dad, and I was, we were at the fireplace here, and I was like, Dad, I'm going to be as tall as Uncle Russ and his Uncle Steve, and I'm going to be an NHL star. Like, that's what, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, without wanting to stomp on my dreams, Dad was like, well, you know, you could coach the team or you could own the team one day. And it was like, screw that. I'm going to be the number one player, right? I remember that totally because I remember thinking the same thing. Like, how do we, you know, without discouraging or stomping on your dreams, how do we encourage you to still strive for what it is that you want? And so I remember that saying like, well... There's no reason you couldn't own the team. Right. right? Every kid's dream is to be an NHL hockey star or a baseball player, right? So I think I didn't really realize. And that kind of that kind of came. Maybe there's something different. And then I noticed it when I went to kindergarten because I was like, okay, these kids can run forever. <laughs> and I'm tired after getting out the door. And so I noticed it there. And I always knew in the back of my head. But I really noticed it in grade like three or four after that grade two or three summer coming back and it was like okay these kids grew and I didn't like (laughs) and everybody's leaning over to talk to me so that's when I noticed it the most but it's funny because I think some people would just automatically assume oh well he knew the second he was around another kid yeah and I mean I did but I didn't right yeah it takes a while for it to settle in like what that really means right and you don't comprehend the scope of it at a super young age, it kind of evolves, right? You're like you're saying, pieces start to fall into place, and you start to realize, oh yeah, something's not, not the same here. Yeah, even like um, going back to like when I wanted to be a hockey player, like you don't see sledge hockey on the TV. Like that's what I wasn't exposed to. I didn't know that was a thing, so I never clued in. Okay, maybe I can't be the NHL star, but I could play sledge hockey or something like that. So you know, you see on TV like average height people doing this doing that and that's what you want to be and then when you're told you can't it's kind of like a weird like screw that yeah (laughs) you can tell me i can't well i'm gonna go do it anyway right and then i realized one hint from one hit from like ovechkin or something and i'd be out for my career right it'd be flat yeah but uh, no, well, I think just the physical part of it too. Obviously, I think oh yeah, for sure. Mini hockey, and then, you know, you were huge into the mini hockey for a long time, and and just even realizing that that took a lot out of you. Yeah, and and I mean, looking back, I'm sure you guys were terrified because, I mean, really, one wrong hit from one of those, even though we're in grade two or three, it screws me up pretty bad. And I yeah. guess my neck was really unstable too. So I mean, but I never really got it until bit later like after my surgery and stuff I never went in and was like oh I'm gonna have my neck fuse from C2 to C5 didn't really understand it and when did you notice that you were different um well it was probably earlier for you because you had me right so you saw me being different I think that makes a big difference and so you probably identified with me earlier because um I didn't have anybody in my life that was little my family was all average height so I didn't realize I was little you know what I was like what's that analogy the small dog syndrome or in a pack you're the small dog but you don't realize you're the small dog you're just in with the rest of the pack so I probably didn't really realize it until grade eight or like where it really settled in it's like grade eight I thought okay yeah there's no catching up to these guys now like I'm definitely smaller I remember coming back from summer holidays and all my buddies were like it felt like they were massive and I was still you know still small so I think grade eight was it for me and I'm sure that's the most case or that's the case for most kids because I mean really 
most little people are born to just average heights, right? Yeah, 80% of little people are born to average height parents, and most people don't realize that. They think we're all born to... Yeah. When I was growing up, that was always the number one question. Are both your parents little? Are both your parents little? And it used to piss me off. But I don't know why. Like, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But it was like an assumption. The assumptions well, okay, are what bother so you, right? Let's speak to that. So when we went to LPA one year, and we went out for dinner with Sam and her husband. Yeah. So we've got friends um, from LPA, and they actually live in Winnipeg. And, Canadian. and Canadian, yeah. And uh, so Sam and her husband and Jim and I go out for lunch or dinner, dinner or something. Lunch, yeah. yeah. And so Sam's hey, a little person. No, we didn't take Yale and Caden with us. I thought no. maybe we were pushing strollers, no. but I remember no. it, you're right. And so um, Sam's LP and her husband's average height. And so as soon as we walked into the restaurant, you could totally tell that the hostess at the restaurant were going to, were going to, they were, she was going to sit uh, Sam's husband and I together, Ryan and Jim, like, and Sam yeah. together just because we they all automatically assumed we, we all walked like, in as a group. As a group, yeah. so they assumed that. So they assumed that Ryan and I were together, and that your dad and Sam were together. So it's like, you know, no, it's no, just there's like, a mixed <laughs> here. Um, no, I'll sit with my husband. Thanks, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's just that total assumption that LP goes LP or marries LP or you know has LP little kids, and so it's just that assumption. Well, for us living, I mean, it's maybe different if you're in a big city. But Canada is not like that. We're spread out. There's, you know, not much population for a wide range of um, land, right? So our communities, I was often the only little person in our community. And if I um, just wanted to date little people, it would have been a pretty... Uh, slim pickings. Yeah, slim pickings. Yeah, it's not like I go to high school and there's 20 other little people. Like, That's right. I'm the only little person in my school. Like, it's not a regular thing. And when I was, there was no social media, right? So there was no... Um, I mean, you could be pen pals or something with another little person, but yeah, that, that didn't exist. So I never even, um, really thought about dating a little person just because that wasn't my environment. You go to a convention, but when you come back home, you spend, you know, 300 days of the year in your community where there's no other little people. Well, it's only an uh, LPA is only a week, so it's a lot more than just yeah. 300. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But so there's stereotypes, you know, so we kind of went on a tangent that we didn't even plan on with this podcast. And that's exactly the idea of the podcast, right? We just have those topics that people always ask us about. Um, and we're just, you know, here to kind of discuss it and, and maybe help. One of the things I like about going to the conventions now, um, well, a couple of things. When Caden was little, I used to love seeing him identify with other kids because it made him realize that, oh, we're not the only little people in the world. It gave him some some perspective. So that was great to see him just play and throw the ball around in the hallway with these other little people kids. Um, and for me and you, it was kind of fun because I found myself a little bit in a mentor role for new parents. Yeah, absolutely. Because <clears throat> often new parents, average height, have a little person as their baby and they're they're horrified, they're scared, just not horrified, they're just scared that they don't know what's They just coming. don't know what's coming, what to do. Right. So often, you know, mom and I would, uh, they would see how normal our life is or how normal we seem to be and they would get some, it would calm them down a bit. It would, uh, you know, we hunt, we fish, well, we don't hunt, but we are in that, our we friends, <laughs> our, our friends we hunt where we yeah. go with the, that crowd, right? We Yeah, we're not. We're fun. fit, we go fishing, we go camping. Ride our ATVs and quads and drive and do all the things that 
And see, I think that's where Caden's YouTube channel has given him an audience that he doesn't. I don't even think he realizes that he has. Right. Because I've had numerous um, parents, parents yeah. reach out to me and just tell me how much seeing you and your YouTube channel and uh, how much has changed their perspective and how much it's inspired them. Because having a little person, you know, not knowing to average height parents... Um, they're at a little bit of a loss in the beginning as to, you know, what their future is going to look like, right? So you come along and you show them a little snippet of your life and it's inspiring and it is. And, you know, I've had numerous parents reach out to me and say how amazing and how much they appreciate um, your perspective and your sharing what you do on YouTube. So, you know, you, you think about you don't even think about that part of it, right? So if you think about the reach that you have, that's one avenue that I don't even think you've even thought about. So, And that's kind of what I like about it because, I mean, really, if you didn't have dad and you were an average height and the doctors came to you and said, okay, he's got an instable neck, one wrong push, he could be, that's fatal. He's going to have hip dysplasia. He's going to have to have a back surgery when he's 15. He's going to have to have numerous hips and leg surgeries so he can walk. Like, that's pretty scary, so I think that ends up just kind of freaking parents out because they're thinking, okay, my kid's not going to be able to sustain his own life. Like, he's not going to be independent. He's going to... And whilst some cases that's totally acceptable and understandable, but I kind of wanted to show, like, right, wrong, one wrong move when I was four could have been wrong, could have been disaster, but that doesn't mean now I can't go ride quads and dirt bikes and mm-hmm. you still hang out with have friends. A life. You still yeah. have to live your life. Yeah, right? we've never lived in a bubble, and I've never advocated for mm-hmm. that. You you have to be aware of things being more of a risk for you and for me. But um, yeah, I don't. You just bo- have to find your way of doing the yeah. things that you want to do right. in a safe way, right? So, so I mean, for me, I can't get on one of my buddies tall dirt bikes and go driving around on it because that's just not going to work but it doesn't mean I can't modify a quad or something to fit or obviously I'm not going to be going bungee jumping because that would just be terrible for my neck and back but I can still go watch hang out with them like it doesn't like I still can do all the things my friends do just a little different a little different and that's the whole point right yeah that is the the point point. that's what I wanted to show parents but it's interesting that you bring that up about you know the the doctor's experience for parents receiving the news because even though we had um, an inkling that there would be an issue or not even an issue but the the 50 50 chance so for us your dad being little me being average there was a 50 50 chance of you being a little person and so even knowing that going in we still had a situation where the doctor and the delivery of the information was um quite disturbing the way it was presented to us and uh, so even having that knowledge and having that kind of preparedness um, I think sometimes just to be able to speak to that that experience as a new mom um, my first pregnancy not sure what to expect um, how that can still happen even when you you know that there's a risk involved that you can still have that um, experience and I think that's there's a lot that could be a whole another podcast uh, sure. topic but I think there's something to be said about that and and the delivery of information and I think there's there's a lack of um, there's a uh, and I'm obviously not speaking to every every doctor out there because I think there's wonderful doctors but I think there's some out there that need to learn that um, when you're presenting information to a family like ours I think there's a, a, a 
a better way that that information can be delivered. And I know of many, many, many situations. We keep hearing that story over and over. It is unbelievable the amount of situations. And and one person that really comes to mind is Tamara Taggart, because I think think of her often. I really um, appreciate her perspective and her Instagram, and I follow her. And and I really like um, kind of her message. And just, I, I think she's a inspiring woman but in any case I even think about her own situation with finding out that her son um, would be living with Down syndrome and you know her experience in in being told that um, after having a test and whatnot and and I think of uh, you know the relationship between that and what I went through and what your dad and I went through and yeah I think there's uh, so many examples of that that I again that could be a whole podcast on its own but I just wanted to touch on that because you know, you assume that when you are trying to be prepared and when you are prepared for information, that the delivery would be a little bit easier to take. But I think it all depends on that actual delivery, right? And, and we, ours was... We was could definitely not. do a podcast on the medical, the way um, even pre-birth, like that whole... Um, we were really poked and prodded a lot because... And it was because we were new parents, we thought we should do absolutely everything to be proactive mm-hmm. for any treatment that Caden might need, um, because we were pretty sure that the risk was high, that he would be little like me. So um, we, mom was poked and prodded way more than an average pregnancy. We had ultrasounds almost every two weeks. Right. And at the end of the day, it's like, why why subject yourself to all of that? Because you're coming anyway, so yeah, um, it's not like uh, we're going to change that or... And one thing I totally remember, and, and it was kind of the one part that stuck out to me the most after everything that we went through and, and after talking to our GP, so Dr. Bierman, who I absolutely love, he's been just a, a rock-solid doctor for us since day one, um, but I remember him saying to me at one point that, yeah, it, we wouldn't find out if he's small until the day you're born. Like, they can tell us all the things they want to tell us, but ultimately we wouldn't know until the day you were born. And he told us, too, that um, it is what it is, right? And so at that point, it was just kind of where I stopped caring what everybody else thought or what everybody else, you know, was saying. And I just kind of thought, nope, we won't know anything until the day he's born. Or, uh, well, not, we didn't even know you were going to be a boy. But, um, and that that was was the other part. That was the other thing thing that was so funny. They told us absolutely everything about you. Like everything was poked and prodded and they measured every bone. We said every time we went in for a test, don't tell us the sex. We want a surprise of some sort. So we didn't know. We knew so much other information. That was the one thing they could at least give us was the uh, secrecy of that. So And even a couple (laughs) of tests we had to say, don't tell us. And they were shocked. We didn't know at the testing. Yeah. And then I remember the morning you were born. I remember it was, I think you caught it. Yeah, it was just casually, Dr. Bierman said. Oh, he or he something. And you to said, he? When it's were, a boy? When, and they went, had, oh, oh, yeah, it's a boy. Because <laughs> mom had a cesarean, so we were able to prepare for it. And he, I remember I could hear, because there was a curtain, I could hear them cut mom open. I could hear the liquid. Okay, and, yeah, we don't need all then, the details. <laughs> and, then, and then he said something about, oh, he's fine. And I'm like. He? Yeah. Yeah. So at that moment, I wanted a boy, but it didn't matter up until then. Yeah. I think back on the test, I think it is kind of funny and ironic, though. After all those tests, and I mean, they're pro- I'm sure they're necessary and stuff, 
But after all those tests, I turned out exactly like Dad. Exactly. Like every medical problem that I have had, he has had. Well, and I look back, too, at all the treatments that we did in the very beginning when you were born on your foot because you have a club foot on the, the left side of or on your left leg and and those are and, some of the uh, terms that we should verify because it sounds so bad oh that was so that was one of the informations <laughs> that we were told in our first ultrasound and and you know i mean when you get told your your child has a club foot i literally having no understanding of any prior knowledge um i literally thought you were going to come out with no foot like a club right so in my mind um, in reality, yeah. it's just a turned-in foot. Yeah, where the muscles kind of turn it in. So you'd think you'd be delivered that information a little bit more in layman's terms, a little bit more. You know, how much nicer does it say? Oh, and the baby's foot's turned in a little on the left side. Like, you know, oh, your baby has a le- club foot on the left. It was like what? A what? A what? So, so yeah. But yeah, the um, that that for sure could be a whole podcast on its own. <laughs> I think we've got a few. Uh... <laughs> we could do on just that alone well and then to compare it like to what we went through with Caden to what when I was born there was no I mean I just came out and they thought oh there's a problem here like there was no <laughs> well you went undiagnosed until you're almost five right you were diagnosed yeah. as achondroplasia which is the most Wrong. common type yeah. of little yeah. person so, so that was like in 72 so yep he's short must be achondroplasia yeah <laughs> So, you know, that's a, I mean, that's a type of little person that's completely different than what we have for With a, medical yeah, a issues. a realm of different issues. A realm of different issues, not even the same, really. And even to think, like, if you were misdiagnosed for that four years, I had my neck fusion when I was four, so, like, if I was misdiagnosed, that could have been critical. Yeah. Well, see, your dad never had that surgery, right? <laughs> I mean, like, I think he should have. <laughs> and then, who knows, um, my neck... Maybe it was just as bad as yours, and I was just really lucky. Just well, lucky. you you went and had a CT scan. Yeah, we don't need they, to talk about it. Yeah, and they told you that you should have yours done, and you said, "Oh no, I'm just too old. I'm I've survived this long." I'm that good. was like ten years ago or something. Yeah, like. just after you were born, your dad went in to have some kind of a you know some type yeah. of a, a marker to kind of look. Because that was kind of my argument when they were we were trying to figure out how to treat you. I kept thinking, well. Maybe just look at me, you know, I'm like an old beat up car, but we can see what we did wrong and and do it much better. But uh, So yeah, speaking of which, what your dad has and hasn't had, and you have your surgery coming up next week, and your dad had a similar surgery, but it was done under an emergency situation. So Yeah, different circumstance. Definitely. And you can see how that's affected dad in his older days. So it's kind of a, an interesting, there's again, again another topic, but... We could talk a whole another podcast about, but yeah, you're getting your back done next week, and you're 15, um, and we've been planning for it. So the doctor's been closely monitoring you. So hopefully he has much much better results because I was my back was done at 15, but it was an emergency. The uh, my spine had already pretty much collapsed, and I was losing feeling and function in my spinal cord. So, but that's that's another story. Yeah. Yours is going to turn out much better than that. Yeah. You're going to be rock solid, the bionic man, after next week. Let's hope, hey? For sure. But should we wrap up that episode? I mean, there's so yeah. much more we could talk about. That was just, uh, you said, what are we going to talk about? How are we going to talk about? Yeah, give me a topic so I can actually mull it over before we start. But we didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't really to. need to. It was just kind of sit down and let's give it a go. Yeah, so I think um, there will be many more episodes where mom either hosts, co-hosts, or... 
or um, steps in with us again. Yeah, I think you guys. To. I think you guys should do a podcast on what it was like going through a pregnancy with with me. We could do a romance podcast. Do not That's need the new to be trend. Doing that. That's the trend. Okay, yeah, no. Yeah. And no comments on the beard. Yeah, we're not going to go there. That's my COVID beard, folks. I usually don't have this. It's coming off next week. Before surgery. Before surgery. The end. Yeah. Never had one. I could ask you the same. No uh, comment on my COVID bun here. I'm used to it. We're five <laughs> months in, aren't we? Four months in. You caught me after I got home from my walk, so. Yeah, and you're the only one that's got a haircut to, out of yeah. all of us. Yeah. But I've got I've to go get one. Yes. I've never had hair this long. <laughs> Ever, I don't think. Maybe when I was a teenager. Well, I'm actually, I, I actually, before we sign off, I just want to say, actually, because you're saying, you know, we haven't really been giving in to going to do those kind of things. And I'm kind of proud of us for how well we've managed to isolate because I think it's it's meant a lot of difference for us, our health, and well, your guys is especially. So It really has. We did, we isolated completely for probably three months. A hundred percent. Almost a hundred percent. And even now we're not going out very much at all. Groceries are still being delivered and we're going to the hangout to the odd friends place outside that we are confident that they're around the fire pit or you've had a couple buddies around the fire pit and But it's all been people that are taking it seriously, so we're we're not going to any like wild parties or not at all. Hanging out in the mall or anything like that. Um, and that stems from not knowing the date for Caden's surgery too. So now that we've had that and we've known it for about a month, we we lightened up a little bit just to give you an opportunity to kind of hang out with a few friends. But other than that, and then we've kind of wound down again about a week and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I do wish. Like, before my big surgery, I'm going to be laid up for like, six months to a year till I'm back to normal doing what I want to do. So I do wish I could have spent more time hanging out with my friends and doing things that I want to do. But For, for sure. sure. Yeah. For sure. And hopefully it won't take you six months to a year. Hopefully you're kind of back to somewhat hanging out with friends and stuff like that within about two months or so. Yeah, for sure. I just think it'll be six months to a year till I'm able back to, to normal. Take yeah, it easy. absolutely. Yeah. Able to go and hang out and do, do stuff. Whatever. But, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it was important that we not catch anything with our breathing problems and with your surgery coming up so but should we wrap it up sure hank thought still... we were doing that five minutes ago <laughs> hank is... that's the problem was we get onto something else and keep going hank is still in the chair we should almost flip the camera around <laughs> on him he's still sitting there watching it if i put my phone on him can we put that in yeah you wouldn't see him though no there he is there he is so there's the Hank cam. Nope, stay, stay. We're almost done. Okay, folks, thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in to the Short Zone Podcast, Episode 6. That's going to wrap it up for this one. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Short Zone Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to check out our YouTube where all these video podcasts are featured. If you like what you heard and would like to continue your support, please check our Patreon. And also make sure to follow all our social media at the Short Zone. My name's Caden Tanike, and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.